Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Working Experience Podcast. We have an exciting new set of segments for you. Uh, we have a book. It's called The Working Experience, A Work in Progress. What do you think about that title, mm, John? Yeah, yeah, exciting might be a little bit too much. Because Matt is, Matt is reading... Uh, verbatim from the book it's more of a nighttime thing maybe no. you, you set this up and you just does you just slip into dreamland yeah well not only am i reading it i wrote it so it's even more scintillating oh you you could this is hibernation period then this is not just sleep this is hibernation you know what word i like to use for it titillating <laughs> I like to use that word as much as possible in conversations, titillating. It's titillating, everyone. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, a titillating experience, a, a, a book excerpts. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks, everybody. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. Just stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. living his toenails at his Hey everybody, this is Maddie Kay from the Working Experience Podcast, and this is chapter two from our book, The Working Experience, A Work in Progress. Please go back and listen to the first two segments if you have not already, and like us wherever you are supposed to like us and give us some feedback on what you think of the book. Thank you and enjoy. Chapter two creating the podcast, or what are we going to talk about? Technology has made it very easy to create a podcast, which is great. Very little is needed in the way of equipment, and the costs of maintaining a platform are pretty low. However, that is a double-edged sword. As with all genres, music, film, books, etc., there are so many podcasts out there that it is difficult to get noticed. There were 750,000 active podcasts in 2022. Two million podcasts are registered by Google. There are now 29 million podcast episodes available in more than 100 languages worldwide. What are they all talking about? Anything and everything. We needed to decide on a subject matter, but what were we going to talk about? Well, what can we talk about that isn't already being talked about? What new insights do we have to add to anything? Something that was specific, but not so narrow that our audience would consist of only a few hundred aficionados. Think about baseball cards, model airplanes, model trains, things like that. We wanted as wide an audience as possible, but we also needed some kind of identity. 
what would appeal to a broad range of people but still made our podcast distinct? Everybody eats. It is universal. However, we were not going to do a podcast about food. That market is completely glutted with everyone and their aunt discussing all aspects of anything related to food. There are a lot of shows about eating, such as Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives and Hell's Kitchen and The Great British Baking Show. There are umpteen YouTube channels and Facebook videos and TikToks and Instagram pages devoted to food. Seriously, what were we going to say about it? I cook, but beyond the basics and maybe one or two fancier dishes, by that I mean chicken parmesan, I really don't know much of anything about gourmet cooking, and I really don't have much interest in it. There was nothing we could add to that conversation. Work is always an interesting topic. Everybody works. People love to complain about their jobs and tell stories about their crazy co-workers, but we would have to find an angle on it. Much like food, there are tons of podcasts about work, offering advice on how to land a job, career coaching, work-life balance, etc. We were not going to have anything new to say about that topic. I have very little advice that I could give to someone about finding a career or landing a job. The topic still appealed to us, though, in large part because we couldn't think of anything else. But like I said, we would have to find an angle. We thought... Everybody works, everybody eats, people eat at work, so let's start with that. I've often wondered why people get so worked up about their orders at Dunkin' Donuts. They want their coffee in a very specific way, six creams, 12 Splendas, and God help the person who gets it wrong. On the rare occasion when my order has been wrong, I really don't worry about it much. But I seem to be the exception to that rule. People love ordering in advance using their app, rushing in like they're just in such a huge hurry on their way to perform major surgery on a busload of school children who were just in an accident. It seems so petty and obnoxious, especially since we're usually talking about a cup of coffee. I think it is because it is the only time in their day in which they have control. They are on their way to a job they hate to spend hours being told that they are not measuring up by a person they can't stand. They might be facing a layoff due to forces completely beyond their control. That coffee order is the one thing over which they can exert some authority. It might be the one pleasure they have during their entire day. Food causes a lot of issues at work. People bring in food that smells really bad and stinks up the office when they heat it up in the communal microwave. People sit at their desk and chomp on their nasty tuna sandwich and chew way too loudly. If you bring tuna or hard-boiled eggs to eat in an office, you are a sadistic sociopath, by the way. People sit at their desk after lunch and smack their lips and suck their teeth and grunt and belch, and it drives other people crazy. People steal food from the office refrigerator, food that is clearly marked as belonging to someone else. If you do this, you have a personality disorder and should seek help, by the way. And then people respond by leaving angry notes on the door of the refrigerator, booby-trapping the food with laxatives, spitting in the bottle of salad dressing, etc. We have done the research. It can get pretty extreme. 
So we decided to take a comedic angle on the idea of work and food. We found funny stories online and discussed them on the podcast, adding our own hilarious insight and commentary. I mean, I think we're hilarious. If we don't think we're funny, no one else will. Maybe I'm completely wrong about that. I probably am, but I'm going to go with it. However, after doing a couple of dozen episodes addressing the food issue, we realized that it represents just part of the bizarre behavior that takes place in offices and other places of work around the globe. John has this theory that the office is such an artificial environment filled with rules and codes of behavior that run against the grain of being human that it drives people insane. There are so many things that you can't say or do in the office. Compliment someone's outfit, ask what a coworker did over the weekend, look at someone too long. There are honestly companies with a five second rule for staring. Anything longer is considered harassment. Putting all these things together, the anxiety that results from the repression of such natural behavior drives people to spit in their own salad dressing and defecate on the floor of the office bathroom. The office is a microcosm of society. People do not stop being people with all of their foibles and bad habits and lack of judgment just because they're at work. Everyone has a story about a coworker who is annoying, has bad hygiene, talks too loudly, or is just flat out crazy. Initially, we found some good stories online, but then decided it would be much more interesting to interview friends and family members about their experiences with coworkers. Some of their tales were so outrageous that if I had read about it on someone's blog, I would have had trouble believing it. There are some truly deranged people out there. Smart, well-educated, articulate, look great in a suit, but completely crazy. One guest, Matt, had a coworker whose wife tried to kill him twice. He was also obsessed with becoming a participant in a reality TV show. Another guest told us about a coworker who clipped his toenails into the sink in the break room and tracked lunar eclipses in his spare time. Another person I heard about used his office for after-hours sex parties. As my grandmother used to say, there are more lunatics out of the asylum than in. However, after a while, the pool became shallow. The stories were interesting and funny, and in many ways provided valuable insights into the condition of the average worker in America, but we had interviewed just about everyone we knew, and the stories started to grow repetitive and didn't offer too much in the way of new insights. Also, the demographic from which we were getting many of these stories came from the perspective of white college-educated males who work in similar industries. It was just too narrow. We realized that if we were going to keep going as a podcast, we needed to grow and evolve and discuss broader and more serious issues. We needed to reach out to people from different walks of life, of different ethnic backgrounds and levels of education and socioeconomic status to become a more equitable entity. We wanted the podcast to remain fun and entertaining, but also be informative, dare I say, enlightening. To begin with, John and I began researching in what made the working world tick. Trends in employment, trends in the economy, trends within different professions, etc. For example, we examined professions that are on the rise in 2020, healthcare and tech. Conversely, we looked at professions that are on the decline in 2020, journalism, bookbinding, 
We looked at what jobs are more likely to be outsourced, shipped overseas, or replaced by robots. We looked at jobs that are pretty safe from modern interference. We looked at areas such as the legal profession, which has morphed into contract work rather than a full-time job at a firm. Many jobs have become contract-based with no health benefits and related issues. We took a deep dive into the gig economy. We discussed Uber and Lyft and how those side jobs or side hustles evolved into full-time occupations for many people. We explored how the economics of DoorDash and Uber Eats work. How much money do people actually make from those jobs? How much money are people spending to have a hamburger or a cup of coffee delivered to them? What does that say about the sloth of America? More broadly, we started doing research and looking at concepts such as workism, the idea that people should be working all the time. The prevailing wisdom seems to be that everyone needs to be working 80 to 100 hours a week, have a side hustle. Everyone needs to be grinding all the time. We want to know why people feel that way. Is it work just for the sake of working because they feel guilty if they're not working? Are they missing something in their lives? Are they trying to fill a void? Is there a point to it? What are they accomplishing? A new food delivery app? Is that worth working seven days a week to develop? Side note, uh, that was, that was pre-pandemic. So we've had to update attitudes towards workism and things like that. Seems like the pendulum of the pendulum has shifted and, um, People are not willing to grind 80 to 100 hours a week or work at all. Back to the book. Then we thought it would be great to see what other people thought about work. No one wants to hear John and I babble at each other every week. <clears throat> you would think they would, but honestly, the numbers don't bear that out. <clears throat> we want to know what people do for work how they do their work, and how they view their work in a broader societal context. We want to know the nuts and bolts, the process. So we started reaching out to people we did not know, but whose work we had become familiar with. For example, I contacted Tom O'Neill after reading his book Chaos, which revisits the Charles Manson murders. What started as an article for a magazine evolved into a 20-year search for the truth. I wanted to know about that evolution. I wanted to know how he did his research, how he conducted interviews, what obstacles he encountered along the way, and how he overcame them. It was a great interview, and I learned a lot from it. So we keep going. We keep thinking of new things to cover, new ways to promote, make money. Yes, I enjoy doing the podcast, but I'd also like to make some money from the podcast. Okay, folks, that was chapter two. Uh, please listen and enjoy and be on the lookout for chapter three. Thanks a lot, as always, for listening. And we'll be back at you real soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.